Schellenberg crossed the square quickly, avoiding the town hall, three stories of pale quarried stone, and a mansard roof that had originally been the house of a minor Habsburg. Banners from a recent rally were still up, their red and black a vibrant contrast to the somber gray slate of the paving stones. At the east end of the square, trencher tables stood in the bright sun, covered in crumbs from the platters of Schwarzbratenwurst that had been laid out for the attendees, though there was no need to lure them with rewards. He was tired from his trip and had slept badly, but what could you expect from a railway hotel? He shuddered at the memory of his grim room, but the very pleasant accommodation he was used to when traveling might have led to questions. Are you here on business, Herr Schellenberg? Do you have relatives in Austria? What is your view of the situation? Questions required answers, and answers helped people's recollections. On this trip, he did not want to be remembered. His colleagues thought he was in Linz, further north, and the boyhood home of the Führer, meeting with members of the Austrian Nazi party helping to plan for what was now a certainty in one, maybe two years' time. The Anschluss, when Germany came in and the two countries were united. Even his family thought he was there, for it was crucial that there be no slip, however unintended, that would link him to the man he'd meet today. Klagenfurt was not a large city, but the train station was crowded. It was market day and people came from all around to buy the local specialties. Speck, the slabs of smoked marble-white pork fat streaked by dark strips of lean, and produce from the Rosenthal, the Slovene-speaking valley that was the most fertile in the region. He was leaving town while the market visitors were coming in, so the carriage of his local train was deserted. It was a short trip, just twenty minutes, the train gliding west along the north shore of the Vortizee, a lake shaped like a thin, elongated worm running east to west. On every side, the land rose rapidly into foothills covered by firs, and in the further distance, separate ranges of mountains loomed, which in the clear air of this summer day looked much closer than they were. On the shore itself sat a series of resort hotels, some gathered in clusters to form the core of several small towns, including Piercha where Schellenberg left the train. The main street was the same road that ringed the entire lake, and he walked west along it, past shops and cafes, and two grand hotels that faced the water. From their grounds, he could hear the sound of tennis balls struck softly on clay courts, and across the road and the lawns running down to the water, hotel guests were stretched out in deck chairs to catch the high midday sun. It must be nice to have a holiday, he thought, without resentment, for he knew his mission was potentially crucial for the Reich. To the south, he saw the range of the Karavankan Mountains, which formed the border with Yugoslavia. Behind them reared the Julian Alps, jagged and snow-peaked. Here was the Dreilenderk, the corner where the three countries of Austria, Yugoslavia, and Italy met in an uneasy nexus. There had been fierce fighting near there in the last war. The Austrians and Italians locked into a system of battlements as complicated as any of the famous labyrinthine trench works in Belgium and France. His own father had fought there, as part of the German reinforcements, 
sent to help the Austrians in the 1917 breakout at Caporetto. Much of the fighting had been waged almost invisibly at the very top of the range of mountains Schellenberg could see now in the distance. We were fighting nearer to God, his father was fond of saying with a tart smile, not that he seemed on our side by the end. On the outskirts of Piotcha, a garage sat back from the road with a solitary petrol pump, several cars parked to one side of the lot, and a shed that functioned as the office. Inside, a man in oil-stained overalls stood behind a counter, adding up figures on a scrap of paper. Guten Tag, said Schellenberg. Gruß Gott, muttered the man, without looking up. Herr Schmidt has left a car for me, I believe. He didn't give his name. The man nodded, still intent on his sums. He reached with one hand under the counter and brought out a small brown envelope, which jingled as he pushed it across the counter. The Mercedes-Benz, he said. Schellenberg nodded. Much obliged, I am sure, he said, and went out the door with the keys. He stopped for a moment and pulled a pair of tan driving gloves from a coat pocket. They were small-sized and tight. He had to stretch the leather over each finger until he could clench his fists. The car was almost new, a 170 DS sedan. It started up with a roar, then purred like a spoiled cat. Thank you, Herr Schmidt, thought Schellenberg as he drove away, whoever you may be. A sympathizer, of course, but then many Austrians were, especially here in Corinthia.